Welcome everyone to Creativity Unleashed, the podcast for creatives by creatives. Our guest today, Sharaya Dashlu, needs no introduction, but we'll give her one just the same. Sharaya is an Emmy award-winning Oscar-nominated actress whose prolific work on stage and screen has been lauded for decades. Sharaya's film credits include Star Trek Beyond, X-Men The Last Stand, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, my film The Cuban, and her Oscar-nominated performance in House of Sand and Fog. Among her many television credits, Shoray is known for her Emmy-winning role in HBO's acclaimed House of Saddam and can be seen in the sci-fi series The Expanse, now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. She's currently in production on Season 2 of the Emmy-nominated HBO series The Flight Attendant. On today's episode of Creativity Unleashed, Shoray and I discuss the significant impact of her series The Expanse, including parallels to the state of the world in Season 6, the hard work and perseverance that have gone into her enormous success, and the vital role that actors have in bringing important stories and real-world issues to the forefront. My goodness, it's so great to see you, Shoray. Uh, you're a, one of my favorite actresses of all time, if I may say so, and a living legend. So I, I really am honored and uh, so grateful for uh, for you to be here with me today. Honor is mine. Honor is mine, Sergio. I'm so so happy. I miss you. I miss you a lot. Thank you. And I wish I was in Toronto. At least we could have a cup of coffee together, or some Persian food, or some amazing Persian food. You're an incredible cook. <laughs> I don't want to share your secrets, but that's true. Yes, next time. <laughs> well, congratulations. We'll start with them, The Expanse. What an incredible run it's been. And, you know, how do you feel about, you know, entering season six, what your character means to you personally, and what this show is saying about the world, the human condition, and here we are in a global pandemic we would have never predicted in our lifetime, and yet here we are. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the truth is, Sergio, that season six of The Expanse is far more closer to the reality of today's world than ever before. From day one, although it was called science fiction, but I kept finding uh, metaphors or, or symbols that would read for today's world. I would think, okay, that's it's a good uh, sort of... Uh, opportunity to show the people of the world that as to what is going to happen to us if we are behaving the same way as we are right now. But season six, it, the parallels to this world is unbelievable. Out of this world, honestly. Just imagine personal molecule COVID, uh, nonsense wars, what's happening in today's world. A refugees crisis, which is the saddest, one of the saddest stories of today's world. I mean, the situation of, uh, of journalists, reporters, self-appointed journalists, uh, beyond borders uh, reporters. It was, it's unbelievable. It reads so well for today's world. And I'm so happy about it because when the audience watches it, although they still think they're watching a science fiction story, but they would realize that if we don't stop what we are doing today, like polluting our air, throwing trash into our oceans, not caring about global warming, not believing in global warming and climate change, if we keep behaving the same way, according to the scientist who wrote a brilliant review on this show, 
This show is the most accurate version of the future ever. It's unbelievable. It's it really is 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 unbelievable. And sometimes it makes me wonder, has the future been written? You know, I, I know that you know you probably believe in destiny, and and we'll talk about that. But uh, one of the most striking things you ever said to me because. I've always seen you as a, a very serious actor and very, you know, um, with so much gravitas until I met you and we started <laughs> getting to know one another. And we're is that she has a witty sense of humor, so playful, so uplifting, positive. But something you said to me, I never forgot, which was I said, you know, here you are, an Iranian woman coming to America, you know, in that point zero 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 one percent of the top of the top getting nominated for an Oscar and sitting in that Oscar. And I said, did you ever expect that? And you said, yes, absolutely. And I was like, wow. So, you know, talk to me about that mindset and the importance of having goals when young actors start out and the world is telling them it's impossible. Where did you get that from? And where did that come from? Uh, What I noticed when I started uh, living abroad and left my birth country uh, during the turmoil, which led to a revolution later. Yeah. Uh, living abroad, I noticed that if you're a hardworking person, if you are thoroughly familiar with your job, you're not just pretending that you can do this job, but you can do the job, and you are very good at doing this job, and you have the know-how, and you are willing to put an extra mile to this work job of yours, there is no reason for you not to become successful. But the key is that not expect anything in return, at least for the few days, earlier days that you start, the few weeks that you're into it, or a few years that you've been working to get to the point that you want to, to establish yourself. Therefore, No expectations, hard work, knowing your job, doing a good job, and being vigilant and being uh, uh, observed, absorbed, ready with a suitcase with basics in it to start your, your work or whatever it is that you're doing next. There is no reason for you not to become successful. But if from day one, this is what I keep telling my uh, young people who whom I throw uh, sort of uh, um, free uh, acting classes, usually like a day or two, like a seminar. First thing I tell them when I get into the room and I see their young and beautiful faces, first thing I tell them is the fact that if you're in this class for fame and fortune, you're in the wrong class. I cannot teach you that or I cannot work with you if you are here for fame and fortune. But if you are here for the core of the idea, meaning your talent, to boost your talent, to learn more, to be able to uh, work around every character and make it your own, then I'm at your disposal. Amazing. Because I myself didn't start it, you know, because I wanted to become famous or, or rich. I wanted to tell people's stories. Mm. We are storytellers. If we stick to that and try to polish ourselves, learn as much as we can, 
then uh, no matter what, we'll be successful. So there is no reason for us to uh, commit ourselves to, you know, stuff, roles that we really don't feel like uh, doing just for the, for the sake of fame and fortune. Mm. That's my problem with this notion of fame and fortune. So pure acting, observe, absorb, study, read newspapers every day. If you don't have them at home, go online, see what's happening in today's world, politically, socially, geographically, because it's important. At the same time, study history. Yes. Because day after, if they uh, call you and they tell you, we want you to uh, portray Queen Isabella from Spain, then you know what happened in Spain during Queen Isabella's reign. Or uh, I, I met with an actor who was uh, about to portray uh, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that yeah. Ridley Scott is making this movie. Yes. And he told me that uh, the moment he received, he, he, he is a bit familiar with, with the French Revolution, but he said the moment he received the offer, he jumped on the, on the novels that were written about Napoleon Bonaparte, or I told him about other novels that I read in Iran. One of them is Desiree, mm. which was uh, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte's uh, mistress, uh, that, the real person that, whom he was in love with. So study, study politics. Today's politics, study history, and just keep watching uh, classic films, see how um, actors did back then, because there is still great role models. John Carford, Bette Davis, Catherine Hepburn, those are my favorite, favorite, top favorite actors. And I, I have learned a lot from them. One thing I've learned from them, all of them, good, amazing, great actresses, is the fact that they would never, ever just run the lines. They would combine it with doing something, either making a, a you know, brewing a, a, a tea or having a cup of tea in their hands or washing some stuff, or they keep themselves busy as mm. we, we, we are during the day. If someone calls me, if I'm cooking, then I'm into cooking and also talking. That's what they do. Just keep watching classics or, or modern films for, this, for the same reason, just to get familiar with different kind of actings. Uh, I wouldn't say method acting necessarily, but it's good to know what method acting is all about. Absolutely. I remember when uh, I got to know the Kubrick family a little bit and he was wanting to make Napoleon and obsessed about it you know, stacks and stacks of books and research. Just, I think as an artist, you have to immerse yourself 100%. You can't do anything at 70, 80%. And, and you're really, you know, the consummate artist. I, I've met, had the pleasure of meeting your husband and your beautiful daughter, and you live the life of an artist. It's not, you know, it's not something, it's, you know, it, it's kind of tricky because you can't separate, you know, it's not like, you know, you hang up your hat after work and, and you just leave it alone. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you're talking about plays and literature and history all day long with your husband, with yeah. with your friends. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a, a job. You're absolutely right, Sergio. You said it beautifully. Being an artist is a lifestyle. It's not a job. Mm, what a blessing. You're absolutely right. Because uh, literally speaking, you don't want to waste your time 
uh, just over, you know, um, ordinary conversations. <laughs> you want to talk to people whom you learn from. Yes. Like, when I was with you, I learned so much from you. And before we go anywhere, <laughs> allow me to thank you for making this amazing movie. Uh, thank you. The, uh, the Cuba. Thank you so much. Uh, my, my friends, my colleagues, uh, and my compatriots are now watching it. And I'm so happy it's on Showtime now. They keep watching it and I keep receiving messages from them telling me that how important this film is. And somebody was thanking me. She said that uh, she has the same situation. She's living with her father back in Iran, who's got dementia. And ever since uh, she saw our film, she's playing music for her father. And they're both much more happier. Incredible. So, you see, I, I, it was it was hard for you. I, I, I was watching you and uh, you really uh, made it from scratch because it was, you know, didn't have much help. But uh, the, the subject matter uh, was, was important to tell and you told it so beautifully that people are now connected, connecting to and, and thanking me for, for teaching them how to take care of their patient, of their patient with dementia. I really appreciate that. It, it means, means so much. Means- we sometimes we forget the impact, yeah. you know, because yeah. I go on with life and sometimes I sit around and think, what am I going to do next? And, you know, that's what artists do. They're always afraid they're never going to work again. Or what are you going to do next? It's so important, you know, and you put so much pressure on yourself. But the, you know, one of the things that impressed me when I met you, it was during the premiere of Stoning of Soraya. Uh, one that you, you know your life was basically in danger. I didn't realize as we were going to an event that there was security guys searching the car and doing all the. I mean, you know, people might say all oh, acting, you know, but this could be a life and death situation because you have so much conviction. And I wanted to ask you: Do you believe that film, TV, this medium has the impact, the the uh, possibility to affect change uh, in a positive way, or at least shine a light on? is strong social issues. To be honest with you, Sergio, having left a revolution behind, mm-hmm. everything to me is political. Mm. And it's, especially nowadays, um, it's really politics. And at the end of the day, nowadays is the economy that makes the decision. Even, you know, uh, yeah. it's uh, far more important than politics today. In other words, economy uh, makes the decision and not politics, but we are still dealing with politics. Mm. And uh, it's just incredible that what we can do mm. uh, for for humanity uh, through our art and not necessarily uh, using weapons. I keep uh, telling friends that, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, colleagues that we're artists. We don't have weapons. We don't have ammunitions. Mm-hmm. Our weapons are our art. I can tell stories about a woman being stoned to death uh, in a in a backward society and bring it to people's attention and make it stop. Wow! But I cannot personally go there, foot underground, and start shooting people so they wouldn't stone, uh, you know, human beings. Therefore. It's very important as to how we use our art 
and which way, which in which way. Mm. It's, uh, are we using it in a useful way that would bring uh, sort of awareness to people, make them become aware of what is going on, either in, the, in their society or in the whole world, mm. or just try to entertain them. I love to do both. Is it true that Stoning of Soraya actually did change legislation? It did change legislation uh, in Iran and I believe in Turkey. Wow. And uh, it almost stopped it because uh, before the movie, we had uh, Amnesty International had received 16 reports from Iran and a couple more from Turkey, Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, as of then, uh, after the movie, we, ha- we have not received any reports from Iran, neither Turkey. I was visiting Turkey. I was in the bazaar, Sultan Ahmad Bazaar, one of the most beautiful, beautiful bazaars in, in the whole world. The architecture of that bazaar mm. is unique. It's incredible. Very ancient. Door to door. People would call me Zahra, my character's name in the stony. The moment I opened my mouth and said, Excuse me, sir, can I see this vase? And they were like, Zahra, it's you. And they told me wow. that when the stoning was played in Istanbul, the line for the movie went two, three blocks around the theater. And they were all thanking me for making this movie. They said, thank you for doing this. We had no idea that this is happening in rural areas. We had no idea, some of them said, especially young people. It's unbelievable. They would bring me tea, they would bring me sweets, Turkish baklava, and I would say, sit down, thank <laughs> you. Don't be tired. Thank you so much for making this film. It's amazing. It, but it, was, it had its uh, consequences as well. The reason you saw me with bodyguards was the fact that I was receiving death threats on a daily basis. And wow. Messages were, were, were graphic and, and horrible uh, to the point that I had to get FBI involved with wow. this. We couldn't find them. But also in Canada, what happened after the first showing, uh, they decided that they're going to pull it off the screen and do not show it again. Uh, and we were, we were very upset. We said, why? There was, we, we, we were supposed to have three showings. And they said, we cannot do this. We cannot do this. I remember it was the reporters, Canadian reporters and journalists that got angry and said, who's making a decision here? Wow. The government of, of, the, of Canada or what? And finally, the uh, manager of the theater had to come out and tell the truth. And he said, the truth is that we have received bomb threats. Wow. And we cannot risk people's lives wow. like this. We cannot show it again. But again, thanks to Canada, the movie has been shown on Canadian television three times so far. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's unthinkable. Last night, my son, we were watching uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, as uh, Zeffirelli's film. I never thought my son would be interested, but he was. And there was the scene where uh, there was the implica- the implying of stoning during uh, Mary's dream, mm-hmm. and my son said, "That is unbelievable." He said, "Thank God we live in." 2021 and i said you know shoray did a movie about this you know just a few years ago that some you know it still happens in some places and and that's you know it's unthinkable to think after 2000 years we're still dealing with things like that um but i but i commend you 
I commend you for being bold because, and I know your husband is also very vocal. <laughs> what do you, what do you think the role of an artist is? You know, are we the truth tellers? I mean, well, the truth tellers is, is great. Uh, absolutely beautifully put, but I would, it's been 48 years that I've been acting on stage. Wow. Uh, when I started acting, the first book I read was uh, Anthony Orto, mm -hmm. Anthony Orto's book. And I would never, ever forget what he said about the actors. He says, actors are the people who are standing in the middle of fire pointing out to the truth. Wow. Which I'm a, I'm a, I'm a follower of what he said. I'm a fan of him and his teachings. And I certainly believe in, in, his, uh, in his notion. Uh, very, very true. Actors are standing. If, if they want to uh, make a movie or make a film about something that uh, is, is important, is vital mm. to tell and will help the human beings to sort of become aware of, of the reality of the fact and not just stick to the virtual world. Yes, virtual world is beautiful. Nobody dies in the virtual world and we can um, make all kinds of jokes and bring everybody from all walks of life into this. It's, it's not like virtual world. We need to address uh, dilemmas, issues that we're dealing with, or at least tackle those issues in our movies mm -hmm. in order to be uh, that actor in the middle of fire pointing out to the truth. I love that. And the beauty of our of of this medium is that if people aren't ready for the truth, they can just eat popcorn and be pacified and see it as a work of entertainment, you know, as mass market entertainment. But there's always a message there. Yeah, but no matter what Sergio, this is this is a part that I love: science fiction, animation, cartoons, movies, films, documentaries. When people are watching it, if they don't take it right there and then it will go right into the subliminal mm. and that is enough for me because if they don't want to pay attention to what what is important and they're just you know having fun with it it's fine with me because it's going into the subliminal and later on no matter when and how and where it's gonna it's gonna do its job they're gonna be say oh i know what's gonna happen next I have seen what would happen next. I have experienced this in a movie mm. or in a documentary. It's, you know, it reminds me of Star Wars. When I saw it as a kid, I saw it on one level, but it was definitely hitting, penetrating on a different level. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's like Buddhist spiritual philosophy woven into that, into those movies. And, uh, and now I'm witnessing my son experiencing it in the same way. He's probably mm -hmm. a lot smarter than me. And, you know, interpreting it on a much deeper level than I did. But um, it's just amazing that, that we're able to do that in, in this art form. It's, uh, it's incredible. And what we can do, you yourself, with the Cuban, it, it, was, it really revolutionized the way that people were taking care of their patients with uh, dementia or Alzheimer. You suggested a way that made it a lot easier for them. I wish... You know, I could just play the, uh, someone's uh, uh, message on my phone. It's in Farsi. 
saying that God bless you, God bless you, mamnun, mamnun, mamnun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Unbelievable. Uh, I'm I'm doing this now, and my father has come to life, and he talks to us now, and we keep praying, you know, and and really we enjoy it too. She says it's amazing. We we are enjoying this too because the house was quiet, and we were so uh, we were all obviously. Mm. Uh, sad and you know over over dad's situation but now everyone is enjoying the music and so is him he's enjoying he's enjoying the music and sometimes he remembers the words and he sings with the singer it's human dignity well, you know it's just returning to dignity is is all and, and yeah. living through compassion and i think that's something we learned in the last two years with this pandemic is yes we have to lead with love we have to be compassionate it's the only way yeah Compassion, love, empathy. Yes. Right before Corona, we were we'd become uh, too self-righteous mm. and too fast and want to uh, do everything at the same time, kind of Pac-Man mentality. Every morning, let's get out and go <laughs> without even thinking. One second is, who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? Why am I doing mm. this? Take us back to uh, House of Sand and Fog. Um, we all know what we saw watching the TV, and I certainly saw it like everybody, the rest of the world. Um, when you were making the movie, what what was going on in your mind working with someone like Ben Kingsley? Was there moments of insecurity? Uh, you know, Talk to me about your process and who was around you to encourage you. It's interesting. The first interview... Uh, Seven Kingsley and I did right after the movie was with Larry King and first thing he asked me he said sorry were you intimidated when you started working with Ben Kingsley I said no <laughs> and they started laughing and Ben Kingsley said no she wasn't intimidated at all and, and Ben uh, then uh, uh Larry King asked me, um, how come? I said, uh, well, with all due respect, with Sir Ben is one of the best five actors alive on the face of the earth. But when I go to work, I don't think about yeah. these things. I think about, I'm going to work with my colleague, with, a, with an actor. He may have worked more than I have. Um, back then, I'd worked somewhere like 30 odd something years. And Seven had worked like 40-odd something years. He may have worked more than me, but at the end of the day, we're both actors. And my job is to portray my character as truthfully, as sincerely possible. Mm. And I should, I should concentrate on that and try to uh, work on my chemistry with, with Ben Kingsley. Rather than thinking, oh, he is, I'm, boy, I'm so, uh, nah, nah, I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid of my colleagues. Mm. I go to work to work with them, to create a, a relationship that uh, reads well, that reads real for the audience. Yes. And uh, it was it was all, um, again, bittersweet because uh, my character reminded me a lot of myself had I not left the revolution behind and had I stayed in Iran and married and uh, then left mm. Iran. So it was like before me, after me, 
and the present me that I was working on. There, there was a huge uh, difference between the character and I. The character is a, is a voiceless woman yeah. uh, at her best. And uh, you know how talkative I am, and I, I never <laughs> keep quiet. And I need to yeah. say something out loud. So it, it, was, a, it was a very uh, pretty um, complicated character to pull off. But I could, not only because I put my heart there, and for two and a half months, I didn't come home. I decided that for this one, I want to be alone mm-hmm. on my own and just keep studying the character, keep talking to friends who did not leave Iran with me and stayed in Iran after the revolution. Ask them uh, what kind of feelings they had. Thorough, thorough interviews with each and every one of them an hour or so. I just wanted to feel the feelings they they had after the revolution in Iran, mm. and then they put it in their suitcases and came to the to to America. So it was very very interesting for me. It was very I would always wear it as a like a badge of honor because uh, mm. uh, it, this it was not just an amazing piece of uh, writing a story to tell um, to the whole world that this is what happens when you migrate or when you're refugees or when you leave your uh, birth country behind and let's just make the world a better place for all of us to live next to each other. It was, is the the, the message of, of the film and I think everyone did their their best to tell the story together and it, it came out great. Amazing. It, it also, I think all immigrants sons and daughters of immigrants you know it's such a story that we can all relate to and even you as a person as an artist you give us all hope because uh you represent a sector of the population i mean in america they're all i mean north america we're all immigrants you know whether first second third fourth generation so i thank you for that for that um you know it it means so much and and i think what what is your what are your thoughts on the local i mean the the current politics around diversity, uh, gender parity, all these things. I mean, I never hear you talk about it. Um, you're sort of a warrior and you, and you forge on, uh, you know, without politicizing. But what, what is your feeling now? Where, where are we? Have we turned a page? Before we go any further, I really have to thank you and all the filmmakers, uh, dedicated filmmakers like yourself that uh, invited me to be a part of your work and therefore uh, to be a sort of motivation or give hope to young immigrants, uh, especially women, female, uh, or or those who are still living in the other half, Mm. uh, would, uh, would give them a ray of hope that if she makes it, we can make it too. And my, I, I, I am a great example because I joined the industry pretty late. I was in my late 40s when I joined the industry. Wow. And still, with accent and a different, you know, uh, color of, of uh, skin and uh, background and nationality and so on and so forth, I proved to the whole world that if you love your job, if you're good at it, if, uh, if you're ready to... Uh, work with other artists because cinema is really a collaboration of artists yes. except for the director that is 
watching it all, uh, is in it and out, in and out with the rest. We're all in it, and it's a collaboration of artists. And having me in your story or other stories, and then airing it on these uh, uh, global uh, you know, uh, channels will give some hope or motivations to those young women back in Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, elsewhere, in the region, in South America, name it, that, yes, if, 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 if she could make it, we can make it too. It's amazing. Such, such inspiration, such inspiration. I hope so. And um, I hope so. When, um, when you were nominated for an Oscar, um, how did you process that? Because that's like one in a billion chances, you know, for, I mean, there's thousands of actors all over the world. You were selected to, uh, you know, invited, you know, having a seat at the table. Um, how do you allow that to affect you, but not define you, if that makes sense? It was uh, interesting. 5.30 a.m., my husband woke me up and said, Shadi, uh, Shadi, <laughs> which sounds like precious, precious. <laughs> so I, my, my favorite character, Galoom, I thought I was dreaming, and Galoom is telling me, precious, precious. But then it's my husband telling me that as soon as I woke up, he, he was very excited, and he kept saying, you're going to win it. I said, I am not going to win it. But it's a great, great honor to be, uh, you know, to receive the nomination. And I am very happy for this. And I'm going to work on this nomination. But I do not expect to win because I am not a veteran. There are four veterans on this on this mm. list beside me. So, uh, but I'm, I'm going to enjoy this ride as much as I can. And I did. The whole day... They took me to a hotel. I sat in the room and reporters were coming in. We were having uh, for an interview and then we were having so much fun because it was my first time that I got to talk to all these educated, intellectual, young people, reporters, old and young, coming from all different outlets. And uh, I, I enjoyed myself so much that at the end of the day, my publicist said, I, hadn't, I cannot remember a of a day that I brought an actor to a press junket from early morning till dusk and be happy as you are. <laughs> and I said, it's my first time. That Maybe that's why. But to be honest, Sergio, I had another one for The Expanse the other day, the day before yesterday. I was enjoying it as much as I enjoyed the very first press junket for House of Sand and Fog. But I forgot to answer your question about the versatility or, or diversities, yes. uh, politics uh, in, in, in the industry nowadays, it has changed 180 degrees. Mm. 35 years ago, I went for an audition and I was very happy because it was about a Middle Eastern woman. And I thought, they, they cannot deprive me from this one. <laughs> this, this is me. So I got in and happily was going towards the uh, casting director's desk and trying to introduce myself, saying, hi, I am sure. But she even didn't let me finish. She said, oh, no, 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 go home. We're looking for a downtrod and middle-eastern woman. You're not, you're too beautiful for this. Go home, go home. Wow. I was furious. I was so angry. I was so upset. Not because she told me to go home, because 
she was undermining my acting skills by saying we're looking for a natural and Middle Eastern woman. Right. Woman, give me a chance, and I portray that for you. <laughs> right, I'm an actor. It's my job. And then I got another another job, and I don't want to. It's an old TV series. Day job, day player. Okay, I go in. We're supposed to be in Morocco, meeting with the king, and I'm the wife of some attaché or something. And I look at the chairs, and I'm like. These are not uh, Moroccan chairs. They're <laughs> Polish chairs. And I t- props come and I say, excuse me, the chairs that you've put here, these chairs are famous. They're Polish chairs. They're not Moroccan chairs. And he goes, <laughs> this is Hollywood. We don't care. Wow. As of then, which was 32 years ago, wow. everything has changed tremendously. When they are doing a scene about the Middle East or, or have, that takes place in, in some... Asian, they make sure that everything is uh, original and it's according to the culture and make sure that everything is, is right. It's unbelievable. It's important. It's unbelievable. And, and of course, telling the stories, again, uh, it's now the producers, because I kept saying this, that this is for the producers, especially the executive producers, to believe in us, to know that if they decide to work with us as well, they will not only have more viewers to watch their works, but also they will create this sort of uh, global uh, chain of filmmaking that uh, that tackles all the issues in the world, not necessarily a certain nation or a certain country. Mm, so important. I, I could have this conversation all day. I'm gonna wind it down. One last question um, to 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 finish off for today, and I hope to have many many more with you, Shoray. Um, what advice do you have for young artists who are out there struggling? They're confused. They're in the clouds right now, without direction. You know, we're in a pandemic, and um, where they feel helpless. What what advice do you have for them? Um, first of all, I would say do not pay attention to whoever is telling you that you're not going to be successful, that you haven't been made for this industry, that your skin is too thin for this. Do not listen to the people who are trying to make you feel like that this is not the right job for you. If at the bottom of your heart you feel like you're an actor and you like and you want to tell people the stories, Concentrate on yourself. Do not concentrate on others. Half of our life, we're thinking what other people are thinking about us. Stop it. Don't do it. When you get older, automatically you stop doing it. But do it when you're younger because it's very important not to listen to people who are trying to discourage you. Just stay with the people who encourage you. Stay away from energy vampires. Those who spend hours with you without you learning anything from them or adding anything to your knowledge either about today's world or yesterday's world. Concentrate on yourself. Read. Study. Watch films. If you don't have money to go to theaters, watch films online. Watch classic films online. Study actings. If you want to be a director, study shots. See how they cut it from from a close-up to a long shot. Uh, read books as many as you can study history especially modern history because most of the films we are making today 
has to do with modern history. Very rarely we make movies about the uh, old history, about 17th, 16th, 18th century. But to be aware of the, at the same time of the fact that now uh, these game changers, giants such as Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, have started uh, making uh, epic uh, TV series. You need to know what kind of a behavior you're going to pick up when you're going to play or portray, or portray a character in an epic story. So study them, study their behavior, study their uh, frame of mind, mental state, and uh, just just keep on polishing yourself. Uh, I suggest learning a foreign language as well, and I tell you why. When you do that, every time you look at the word, you look at the character of the word. It's not just a word you're looking at. Say, uh, for example, if you pick up Spanish, then you can tell the differences between a word, how it's pronounced in English, in Spanish, or in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. That helps you a lot to get familiar with the words. The, and the last and the most important, for God's sake, please don't tell me that how do I memorize my lines? It's not about memorizing your lines. Do not memorize your lines. Read your lines thoroughly a couple of times, 10, 15, 20 times. Read your lines. Read this, uh, the scene. Ask yourself, where am I coming from? Because before this scene, you were somewhere else, but you don't know. You're going for an audition or someone just gives it to you and say, read it for me. So before even start reading it, when you read it once, just imagine where you're coming from. The moment before this, where you just came from walking on the street, or you were in the next room, you came into this room now, think of before and after, and where you're going after this scene. Then study the scene, read the dialogues or monologues, and think, why am I saying this? Why is he saying this? What is this relationship based on? Okay, I see preservations here in our talk, in our conversation. Perhaps we are not very familiar with each other. Otherwise, uh, he would have not asked me to tell him the truth. So he's, and he's pounding on it, but I need to hear the truth. But I need, so most probably, I haven't been telling him the truth before. Because usually, if you go for an audition, they don't tell you. In auditions, they don't tell you what the whole story is about. You need to concentrate and that scene. Do not memorize it. Keep reading it. After you read it a couple of times, then study every line on its own. Ask yourself as to why a writer has chosen the word metaphorism rather than change. He's saying, yes, people's animals, they go through metaphorism. Why does he, why does he not say change? The writer, oh, the writer wants to sound important because when the writer says, metaphoricism. Wow, it sounds important. That makes you to remember the word for the rest of your life. Apart from that, look at the character of the word. And then the most important one, look at the words that you like to run. Mm. For example, again, uh, when I say something, when I run an important word like metaphoricism, I feel, I feel confident. I feel powerful. I like to say that. Therefore, it, it remains in my head. Then, obviously, if I'm playing a educated person, I would love, love to pronounce that H, like uh, T-H, like them, they, you know. But 
if I'm portraying a woman next door who, who's gone to school only four years, then it's then it's like damn day, you know, it's de, it's not the, or uh, you know, just imagine yourself, and and you can find it through the lines. Is this an educated person who's talking, or diploma, or high school, or just college? Let's see. After a couple of hours doing this, you remember every word, even the connecting words, like with and, because you know the core of this conversation. Mm. It's not about the words that a writer uh, has chosen or I am going to choose. It's about the core of the idea, the core of the story in your head. Therefore, and I learned this from theater, when you are running the line, Even if you forget one word here and there, you will say it the way that you will say it, not the writer has said it. But you wouldn't make a mistake in saying it. It's incredible advice. You're hearing it from the best. You make it look so easy. Uh, you know, you're you're incredibly talented. I've seen it firsthand. I've had the blessing of experiencing it. And it's always a joy, Shoray. Thank you so much. Really appreciate this. Always. Please send my love and regards to your I will. lovely wife who wrote this amazing uh, movie, The Cuban. Uh, she wrote, uh, people keep asking me, who wrote this? And I keep telling them that Alessandra did and that she did an amazing job. Thank you. So great seeing you. Thank you. Thank you.